is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is someone well-known to Baltimoreans, Ken Hackett, and we will be talking about his time as U.S. Ambassador to the Vatican. Ken Hackett was appointed in 2013 by President Barack Obama as the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, which is the formal title of the Vatican. Prior to his appointment, Hackett was president and CEO of Catholic Relief Services, an international humanitarian agency supported by the U.S. Catholic community from 1993 to 2012. He joined CRS in 1972, starting his career in Sierra Leone. And prior to joining CRS, Ken served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Ghana. In 2004, he was named a Knight Commander of the Equestrian Order of St. Gregory the Great, one of the highest papal honors. And he also has received the Pontifical Order of Pius IX Award. Welcome to the show, Ken. Good to see you. Thank you very much, Chris. Pleasure. Your career has taken you all around the world, but you really aren't a diplomat. I mean, sorry to say, you're, you're not the typical profile for an ambassadorship. How did you get tapped to be U.S. Ambassador to the Vatican? Well, I'm very diplomatic. Uh, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> um, about... 20 to 30 percent of uh, U.S. ambassadors traditionally have not been career diplomats. 70 percent are usually career diplomats, and that's the path you follow. You train for it, uh, and you go through various appointments up the ladder towards being an ambassador. But um, mine was, uh, as you observed, uh, quite, quite different. Actually, as I was coming to my retirement date, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And, you know, I didn't have anything in mind. It was uh, during the Haiti crisis. So I, I wanted to play to the end and not just up and start searching for other jobs. And uh, at my retirement um, party, uh, halfway through my speech to uh, the assembled staff and friends at, there on, on Lexington Avenue at our office, I noticed in the back of the room, uh, two tall gentlemen coming in, and uh, I couldn't recognize them immediately. One was a tall priest. He was dressed uh, as clerics. And the other I saw as I squinted uh, was Dennis McDonough, the chief of staff of the White House. After the uh, ceremony and uh, while we were having a glass of wine, he said, Ken, can I... Uh, can I pull you aside for a minute and talk to you? I said, sure. Uh, he said he was up picking up his brother at the airport uh, at BWI, and he wanted to come uh, to this retirement party, and he handed me a nice script signed by President Obama uh, congratulating me. And then he said, would you consider going to the Vatican as ambassador? Well, I was kind of stunned. Yeah. Uh, Short-lived retirement there. <laughs> But without even asking my wife, I said, yes, <laughs> I, I would consider it. Uh, this would be in uh, February of 2012. We left it there. 
heard nothing, went down to our place in Florida, and uh, after trying for years to get it rented, a small condo, uh, we finally did get it rented for a long-term renter, and thus we had to leave it and uh, back to Baltimore for the summer and onward, and still didn't hear anything. Um, I went into the hospital to have an aortic valve replacement in January of 2013, came out of the hospital, uh, and recovering in about day four, my wife takes a call from the White House. Doesn't happen every day. I'm not saying. <laughs> you remember that phone call or remember that discussion we had uh, back uh, a year or so ago? Are you still interested in going to the uh, to the Vatican? <laughs> and I said, yes, as soon as I recover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. In your travels with CRS, you ended up at a lot of U.S. embassies around the world, I imagine. Um, how is the embassy at the Holy See different from other postings? Well, first of all, it's a small embassy uh, in terms of staff. I think I had 17 staff at the highest. But it deals with a, a, a different range of issues. If you're the uh, ambassador to um, Hungary or the ambassador to Brazil or uh, uh, Australia, you're dealing with things like trade and uh, selling things and, and buying things and negotiating agreements. Um, it's, it's very transactional in most embassies. You have a commercial officer, you have an agricultural officer, a defense attaché, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in the embassy to the Holy See, the ambassador deals with most of those things and, and deals with the Vatican um, undertakes. And they are global issues, mm -hmm. issues of, of war and peace. They're issues of human rights. Uh, and then they are geographic issues of uh, problems in Central uh, Africa, uh, China, um, Guantanamo, placing the, the prisoners in Guantanamo, nuclear nonproliferation, uh, human trafficking. And so you really find that your role as ambassador and, and the political officers uh, in the embassy to the Holy See deal with global issues rather than country issues. Mm -hmm. And you wrote a book about this called The Vatican Code, which came out last year from Paulus Press. But that appointment then as, as ambassador came just as Pope Benedict resigned and Pope Francis was elected although you didn't actually take up the post until about six months uh, after Francis's election. How did that transition affect the, your preparation for the job? It really didn't make uh, a lot of difference. Uh, Pope Francis was uh, an unknown and certainly an unknown to outsiders. And so it was, it was difficult to understand what his priorities were in the beginning. Um, you, you'll recall that uh, he went to Brazil very early mm -hmm. and put 3 million people along Ipanema Beach. Right. And so you're saying, wow, that's that's something special. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then he went to Lampedusa, uh, the island off the coast. That was unique, just unheard of. Mm -hmm. And so we, we saw, personally, we saw that uh, this was going to be a, a unique and very different experience from his any of his predecessors. And we prepared uh, for that to the extent we could. And I recall, I think I write about it in the book, that in uh, August of 2013, right as we were getting uh, the final Senate confirmation 
Uh, President Obama declared kind of a red line on Syria. Uh, Syria, if you use, mm-hmm. new, you use chemical weapons, it's going to be at your peril. And a week later, Pope Francis calls the world's Catholics and others come to the street in prayer worldwide for peace uh, around the Middle East and Syria. And so I say to myself, oh, Lord, this is going to be a challenge to defend mm-hmm. policy when you've got a pope calling for peace <laughs> and praying exactly. for the world. <laughs> and that was what I began with. But what I found, uh, and, and it's kind of another reason I wrote the book, is that there is there is no manual, there's no uh, handbook for ambassadors or political officers who take up a position at, at the Vatican. It's learn as you go, mm-hmm. all about relations, and there's you know nothing to sell. So uh, right. if you don't improve the relations, you're not going to get any information, and information is what your business is. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the one of the things I think of is that you know neither of our political parties align exactly with Catholic teaching. So how does the U.S. ambassador to the Vatican balance those concerns while working toward the common good? Well, basically, an ambassador in any country deals with the foreign policy, uh, be it commercial, be it diplomatic, of uh, his or her country, not the religious, the appointment of bishops or right. moral issues. Or, uh, I mean, we we did have to explain our position on um, death penalty, uh, which was was difficult to do uh, because obviously the Vatican and the Holy Father particularly is um, vehemently against the death penalty and mm-hmm. to, uh, to try to change it uh, in, in countries around the world. But there were, there were very few issues that I found myself encumbered in any way by my faith or my religion. Uh, in, in dealing with it. And, and those people I dealt with knew that uh, and would not press on, why aren't you talking about, uh, I don't know, abortion uh, or uh, pro-choice or uh, it just, it wasn't part of the repertoire. Mm-hmm. How did your work with Catholic Relief Services over the, all those years shape your work at the Vatican? Well, on the one hand, running an organization in 100 countries around the world certainly gave me a leg up uh, in knowing the landscape that the the Holy See was dealing in in each case. As as you noted, they have uh, an embassy in in almost every country around the world. There's only about 20 or 30 countries where they don't have a resident uh, nuncio or ambassador. So... um, on the one hand, I knew the field. On the other hand, I knew some of the players on the field. I tell the story about meeting uh, Archbishop Gallagher. I thought uh, for the first time when he took over as um, basically the Secretary of State uh, functionally in the Vatican. The, the, the person who wears the title Secretary of State is basically the Prime Minister. Then there is Archbishop Gallagher who deals with relations between states and international entities. And I said to him, gosh, Archbishop, it's, it's so nice to see you. I remember uh, meeting you in Burundi when you took over after the assassination of the previous Nunso. And he said to me, no, Ken, we met in the uh, 
late 80s in the Philippines when I was at the embassy in the Philippines and you were with the Catholic Relief Service in the Philippines. So knowing people and having been on some committees in the Holy See, uh, it, it, it really was uh, advantageous. That's awesome. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with former U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, Ken Hackett, about his work and his book, The Vatican Code. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. A confrontation May 26th outside the doors of a downtown Baltimore Planned Parenthood left witnesses at a neighboring pro-life pregnancy center disturbed by the level of violence and praying for the recovery of the injured. According to a police report, a 73-year-old man and an 80-year-old man were attacked outside the Planned Parenthood on 330 North Howard Street. That building shares a wall with options at 328, a pro-life pregnancy resource center operated by the Center for Pregnancy Concerns. Gina Rupert, executive director of the Center for Pregnancy Concerns, said her staff heard the commotion and medical personnel from the center assisted the injured men before one was sent to the hospital. A Baltimore City Police Public Information Officer said in a May 30th email that there was no updates on a search for a suspect. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Bishop Emeritus Victor Gallion, a former Archdiocese of Baltimore priest who served as the ninth bishop of the Diocese of St. Augustine, Florida, died May 29th at St. Martin's Home for the Aged in Catonsville. He was 87. Born in Philadelphia and raised in Baltimore, Bishop Gallion attended St. Charles College in Catonsville, St. Mary's Seminary and University in Baltimore, and the Pontifical North American College at the Gregorian University in Rome, where he was ordained in 1960. After his ordination, Bishop Gallion returned to Baltimore as a diocesan priest, serving as associate pastor of St. Bernardine from 1961 to 62, a chaplain of the St. Paul Latin High School, 1963 through 69. He was also chaplain of the Cardinal Gibbons School in Baltimore from 1969 through 1970, and served as a missionary twice in Peru during the 1970s and early 1980s. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Ken Hackett, former U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, the Vatican, and former head of Catholic Relief Services. Ken, there were two major events during your tenure as Ambassador to the Vatican the meeting between President Barack Obama and the Pope at the Vatican, and then the Pope's visit to the U.S. and address to Congress in 2015. Let's look at those separately. How did the visit of the president to the Vatican come about? The individual who actually offered me the job, Dennis McDonough, who was chief of staff of President Obama, said to me before I left for Rome, when I asked him, well, is the president going to visit? 
He said, you let us know when the time is right. And indeed, in uh, I think it was uh, late fall of 2013, the circumstances were such that it seemed that a visit would be opportune. There were just many, many issues where, where I thought um, if a president did visit the Vatican, uh, things would just fall into place. And so as I talk about early in, my, in the book, I did get the call in uh, January that the president uh, is coming to Europe and he would like to meet with the Holy Father. It, it will be uh, his sole reason for coming uh, to Italy and then he will go to the, uh, to the Vatican to meet the Holy Father. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's terrific. Uh, and then we began all the preparations with all the pre-work that is done. And uh, it's just there's so many um, preparations there. Moving a lot of chess pieces around the board. Oh, I boy. Uh, and uh, I discussed some of that in, in the book as well. And the, uh, you know, where the helicopter is going to come if there has to be an evacuation of the president for health reasons. Are there telephones on all floors? Can you go up without the elevator climbing into the apostolic palace? Um, what about the beast, the car that the uh, president drives it? Will there be any uh, speed bumps along the way that would cause a problem? Oh, Lord. Wow. There was delegation after delegation of these young, 20-something, smart as a whip kids I, who come in preparation. And they've got their checklists, and they go everything yeah. and then they go through it again and then they go through it again exactly and then you negotiate how many people in the presidential delegation well we would like 18 and so you bring that over to the protocol officer at the vatican so why do you need 18 it's supposed to be a, a press pool well they really want to have this person or that person then you, you're negotiating how many people and uh yeah is that the other thing well, one of the things that usually happens between on these these visits between the Pope and heads of state is is an exchange of gifts. What was special about the gift that the Obamas gave to Pope Francis? Oh, that was interesting. During one of my visits to Washington, I think it was for the uh, an ambassador's meeting in uh, must have been two thousand fourteen. The somebody from Protocol uh, asked if I would meet with them, and they said, "Well, what do you what are you going to give for the gift?" And I said, "Well." Pope Francis is not big on flashy gifts. Right. He would prefer you give no gift. Uh, he'll give you a medal and maybe one of his um, published homilies and or something like that. It, it, it's going to be simple in terms of that. Well, we want to give a gift. And I said, well, let's give, how about a letter from one of the first Catholic bishops in the United States? We could frame it, and that would be a historical note. Now, how about seeds? I said, what? <laughs> what seeds? I said, I understand that the Pope has just opened up the Vatican Gardens where his summer residence is. And I said, yeah, that's true. That's, uh, that, that's just happened. Well, about seeds from Mrs. Obama's garden. And I said, significance of seeds? Come on, come on, come on. She said, no, 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 this would be very significant. I said, well, you got to have some historical context in this. What are you going to put in it that you're going to present this thing? A little Ziploc bag, right? You know. <laughs> and she said, you know, they redid the Basilica in uh, 
in Baltimore some years back. And I wonder if there wouldn't be some wood from the from the uh, dome that the architect Latrobe would have originally used. And I wonder if you could make a box out of that. That would look very nice and have a historical circumstance. I picked up the phone and I called the guy who was in charge of the Basilica. And I asked, do you have any wood left from that renovation? He said, sure. Built a nice looking fancy schmancy box with some seed in it. And then they delivered a whole bunch of uh, tons of seed to uh, some uh, farm communities in West Africa, as well as part of the gift. But there was some symbolism uh, yeah. in it, but not, not a heck of a lot. Neat connections. Uh, you also were involved then with the Pope's visit to the U.S. in 2015. What were the key elements or themes of the Pope's visit to the U.S., and how were those locations he visited chosen? Well, first of all, the themes. When the White House group came out to discuss um, deliverables, uh, they call them deliverables of this visit. Yeah. After we, uh, the Vatican turned down their um, their request for a teleconference uh, because they said we don't do teleconferences at the Vatican. Uh, why don't they come here and we'll discuss things? So the group. Two people came over from the White House with their laundry list of, of deliverables. And Archbishop Gallagher stopped them halfway and said, listen, the deliverable is the Pope. The presence of the Pope is what's important and significant and symbolic. Finish. Basta. Uh, <laughs> Deal with it. And... <laughs> And so that's kind of put everybody on the on the right track. And then the then the questions became uh well where? And I had appeals from mayors and bishops and church groups of every stripe from around the country. Why doesn't he come to Chicago? That would be an ideal place, you know, and the president has, has lived there. And it's in the middle of the country, and there's a large Catholic population. Why don't you go to the border in New Mexico? That would be symbolic. And no, California is the place, if he's going to bless Padre Sierra, the saint, uh, come there and do it. No, no, no. Um, should go to this place. He's going to go to Philadelphia because that's where the Eucharistic Congress is. And that's a given. Yeah, the world meeting of families there, yeah. Across the border into New Jersey, into one of the poorer communities in Camden or something like that. Yada, yada, yada. I had to deal with every one of these uh, requests. And and, uh, and basically, uh, it was a not a state visit, but kind of a past, pastoral uh, visit. And thus, uh, where he went reflected that. Um, he did a Catholic Charities feeding site in Washington, D.C. He did the United Nations, where he gave a major address. And he did the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia, as well as visit the president. I mean, he, he did the uh, Basilica in Washington as well for a mess. But that that was it. He didn't branch out. And then you'll recall shortly thereafter, he did go to Mexico. And he did go to the border, uh, but on the other side. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's ways to get all that done. Yeah. 
we're we're coming close to running out of time, but I, I gotta ask you, did you enjoy being U.S. ambassador to the Holy See? I mean, other than the food and the gelato, I, what were your favorite things about that posting? I would say the thing I enjoyed the most is the variety of of issues we were called on to deal with every single day. I said previously, you'd you'd go from uh, problems in Central Africa along the Congo border in Burundi to um, releasing Guantanamo prisoners to problems uh, in Libya to nuclear nonproliferation to Syria and the war effort in Syria to China. And I'd be running sometimes two or three times a day to different offices in the Vatican to discuss these uh, issues. And that was enjoyable in that you had to stay current, up on it. You read cables uh, into the evening. Uh, that was the most enjoyable. The the one of the least enjoyable was you had to go to an awful lot of receptions. I'll bet. Oh. One of those, actually, I happened to be at when uh, Archbishop Laurie and, and a few uh, interfaith leaders from Baltimore right. visited uh, the Vatican in 2016. We were on the ground for about 48 hours, but you made time for us at your residence. So we appreciate that. That was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear more from former Ambassador Ken Hackett, he's going to give a presentation June 21st at 7 p.m. at the Enoch Pratt Free Library Central Branch. 400 Cathedral Street, right across from the Baltimore Basilica, where that wood for the box came from. He's going to discuss his book, The Vatican Code. The event is free, and you should register to attend. Visit prattlibrary.org, click on Events, then Writers Live, and scroll down to the event. Ken's book, The Vatican Code, from Paulist Press, is available at paulistpress.org. Search for Vatican and it's also available at Amazon and other booksellers. We have been talking with Ken Hackett about his time with Catholic Relief Services and as former U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ken. Thank you, Chris. This is Chris Gutti of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.